Thank you, Jim. And uh, I'm looking at my watch and I had a number of things that we were gonna like celebrate here at the beginning, but I think for the sake of time, let's just get into God's word. Is that okay? Are you ready to study God's word today? Okay, today we are in Matthew chapter 28. If you uh, brought a Bible, go ahead and get it because if you'll notice, there is no TV. It's just you and your Bible today. And if uh, you did not bring a Bible, Please, I'm begging you. Is it okay to beg? To get out your phone, get out your electronic device, and would you look it up? Don't just take my word for it. There is power when you see the word of God in your own hand. So go ahead and find Matthew 28. You can just, uh, if you have a Bible app, or even just go on the internet, whatever browser you use, and just type in Matthew 28. Today is a kickoff for a whole new season of ministry here. We're moving forward together. And as you can tell, we are excited about what God is doing. We were just talking in the office this week about how cool it was sharing stories of how we have had like 12 people commit their lives to Jesus over the last few weeks. There was a story of another miracle healing last week. We've had 13 baptisms in the last two weeks. My friends, God is on the move. Yes. But can can we just admit that, that in the midst of it all, the fact is this has been a crazy, weird hard, difficult, challenging season. Can we be honest about that? From the beginning of, uh, of the, the lockdowns at the end of March through into the beginning of June, I went through some of the hardest two months of my life. Now, I've been through hard, much, much worse stuff. It's not like any one thing was cataclysmic. But it was just the the combination of all kinds of challenging things that we've never faced before happening at the very same time. How many of you would say that 2020 has been like the best year ever? Yay! How many of you would raise a few? Thank goodness. God's grace. Let, Let me ask, how many of you would say, raise your hand and say, 2020 was a year filled with junk that you hope never happens again. (laughs) And so uh, I just jotted down a few of the things that were happening in March, April, and May when COVID lockdowns first started. And this is just church leadership stuff. What I'm about to read to you is not really about any of the personal tragedies or anything that, that our family went through. This is just like leadership responsibilities. I had to learn to lead a church without actually being able to see any of the people while sitting alone at home on a computer. I had to learn to lead our church staff with eight pastors, a whole team of ministry assistants, a Christian school with almost 200 students who all had to immediately transition to online learning. We had to learn to do things like socially distanced funerals, What is a socially distanced funeral? We had never heard of stuff like this before this year. We had to transition all our ministries to online that we could. We had to get 50 to 60 adult small groups, 100% on Zoom each week and teach all those people how to use the technology. We had to learn to do Celebrate Recovery on Zoom, which had never been done before. We had to learn to lead over 100 teenagers on Zoom online each 
each week in student ministries. And our student ministries in the midst of it all was growing with kids logging on from around Canada. We had to figure out how to live stream entire worship services, which is no big deal for us. We've been doing that for years, but we had to figure out how to do it with only five people in the room. And, and without all the technology people and all the, the sound people and all the lighting and everything in the room. It was just, how do you even do that? Then George Floyd was murdered by a police officer in Minnesota setting off protests, followed by some of the, the exposure of some of the worst division in America that I've seen in my lifetime, compounded by fights, over masks or no masks. Oh, and we also had to get on the computer each week to do video Bible teaching for how to hold things together and think biblically while it seemed like half the Christian community online said COVID was the raising up of the Antichrist. So church people are figuring out. So in the midst of it all, I decided here's something fun and easy in the midst of everything. How about I do a month long teaching on the book of Revelation? Meanwhile, we were already short-staffed with people doing multiple jobs on the team when one of my closest friends on our team announced that he was leaving to move to Montreal to pursue his PhD, which is wonderful. But in the midst of it all, I had to end up hiring three new leaders on our team with overwhelming anxiety. There were days that I could hardly get out of bed. One time, more than one time, Tracy would look over as I was sitting at my computer in the dining room table, and she would say, Joel. I said, what? She said, remember to breathe? Don't you just feel encouraged today? I'm just a ray of sunshine today. (laughs) And so a lot of you, you have faced your own pressures and challenges and anxiety this year but I believe that there is a resurrection on the way. Have you found Matthew 28? Here's what happened after Jesus was resurrected. In their moment of fear and discouragement, Jesus appeared to the women at the tomb and he told them to go back and tell the rest of the disciples to meet him in Galilee. And so in Matthew 28, look at verse eight. After the resurrection, We read these words, verse eight. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. It says they were afraid yet filled with joy. Isn't that a strange statement? I mean, is it it really possible that you can be both at the same time, that you can be afraid, but at the same time be filled with joy? some kind of joy. The Bible says yes, that even when you're a little bit afraid because of all the things that are going on in this world, even when you're afraid, you can still find joy in the Lord if you know where to look. Still here in Matthew 28, skip down a few lines to verse 16 and 17. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Do you see that? Yet again, there's that paradox. They worshiped him, but some doubted. And can can we just be honest? 
Christians feel that way sometimes. Even in the midst of our worship, we have some doubts. Turn a few pages to the right in the next book, in Mark. Find Mark chapter 9. Here we find an amazing story in Mark 9 where a father brings his son to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus basically asks him, do you believe that I can do it? Do you have faith that I can do this miracle? And and the father makes a confession to Jesus. Look at, at Mark 9 down in verse 24. Immediately, the the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And folks, that is the great paradox of the Christian faith. The reality is that we often have fear and joy all mixed up in the same moments in our life. Sometimes we have worship and doubt, belief and unbelief, all jumbled up and coexisting in the same moment in our lives. Mike Slaughter is a pastor who was talking about this. And one time after service, a lady came up to him and said, Pastor Mike, I'm just inspired. I wish I could have as much faith as you do. And he said, well, I'm, I'm not sure about how much faith I have compared to other Christians. And, and she said, well, Pastor Mike, I don't know about the faith you don't have, but the faith you do have, you use it. And all of a sudden, Mike said, Mike said it was like a, a light came on. And he realized, that's it, that's faith. It's using what you've got. Faith is acting upon what you know. Let's find Romans 10. Keep turning a few books to the right. After Acts comes Romans or on the internet, uh, just search Romans 10. Now I'm going to say something that sounds weird at first, but then I'm going to show you in scripture that we are all born, get this, we are all born with a capacity for faith. And I'm going to show you in Scripture. But what does that mean? Even atheists? Even agnostics? Yes, we are all born with a capacity for faith. Look at Romans 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. In other words, there is something deep down inside of you that was designed to connect with God. It says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. We have a built-in capacity for faith. Even atheists, even if you're a natural-born skeptic, you may may exercise faith in, in ways that you don't even realize every single day. Let let me prove it to you. Are you ready? How many of you have ever been on an airplane? Okay. Now, if you've flown on a commercial flight, I want you to think about something. Before the plane took off, did you see the pilot? Now now you say, well, I I think so. But if you think about it, I, I, I fly a lot. Notice They're out there shaking hands and waving goodbye and saying everybody after they land the plane and everybody's still alive. 
But what are they doing before? They're up there working on the instruments and all the, they don't have any time for you. Last time I got on an airplane, I did not have the opportunity to introduce myself to ask the pilot, now where exactly did you get your credentials? What was your score at flight school? But I got on that plane and I trusted that it wasn't just a monkey in the cockpit. I, I trusted that, that, that there were mechanics who had taken care of that plane to make sure that it was ready to fly. I trusted that somewhere up in the air when I cannot see them, there is a, an air traffic controller. Somewhere up there who is watching over us, making sure that we don't run into something. And so, so if, if, if I didn't have that much faith, not only would I not get on a plane, I wouldn't even trust to ride in a car. Every time I go through a green light at an intersection, I'm trusting crazy drivers like you to stop. Every time I walk into a building like this, I kind of wonder, did the architects do their job right? Did, did we have you know, the, the construction workers? Did they bra brace the ceiling right so it doesn't fall down on us? Now, some of you are worried now and you can't pay attention the rest of, of our time together, but we don't even realize how much faith we have to exercise every day just to get through life. And yet you get on that plane, you get in that car, you walk in that building exercising faith. Everybody's got it. Here in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says that, that God gives you faith. Look at the next page, Romans chapter 12, that God gives you the faith that is necessary to accomplish what he calls you to do. Romans 12 verse three says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. In accordance with the measure of faith, God has given you. When people would come to Jesus and ask to be healed, or when people would come to Jesus and ask for a miracle of some type, many times he would look at them and he would say, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And so faith produces action. The way that you release this kind of faith that Jesus talks about, the way that it becomes powerful is when you step out and act upon it. There's an element of risk involved. You get on that plane even though you don't know the pilot. You, you follow and step out in faith to follow God even though you don't know how it's going to turn out because I will choose to trust in Jesus knowing that my faith has become powerful whenever in my life I have stepped out and acted upon it. In your Bible, go back to the left, back to where we started in Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Find Matthew chapter 28. Now, you're like, Joel, we already read this. Yes, I wanna go back and look at the passage we started with one more time to show you something important here that we don't want to miss. In Matthew 28, verse 16 to 17, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So notice something. It says they went to the mountain 
where and why. Look at what it said. They went to the mountain where Jesus had, what? Told them to go. They obeyed what Jesus told them to do. Okay, now keep that in mind and look at what it says next. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And so notice what it's saying, that they, they worshiped Jesus, even in spite of a little bit of doubt. That they, they obeyed Jesus, even though they were not yet 100% certain. And that's where some of you are today. You're not yet 100% certain. See, I used to think that, that faith meant absolute certainty. That, that you have to have it all figured out. But it's not. Faith is not knowing all the answers. If you knew all the answers, it wouldn't take faith. Faith is acting upon that which God has already revealed to you. So verse 17 says they worshiped Jesus, even in spite of their doubts. They, they obeyed Jesus, even in the midst of their fears. I remember the summer that I graduated from college. Uh, I, had, I had graduated that sp spring, and throughout the summer, I was working uh, on sales, working at a store. It was Sears. And remember Sears department store back in the day? And, uh, and I worked in the computer and electronics sale. That's when computers were like this. One time I dropped a monitor on my foot. Now it's like a feather, right? Dropping a monitor on your foot. Then it was like a ton of bricks. And, uh, and so in the midst of working there, I was getting ready to enter that fall into working on my master's degree. But Tracy and I started to get this sense. We started to get calls from, from churches and I started to get this sense that, that we were supposed to go and, and pastor a church somewhere. And we started to get the, the feeling that maybe God wasn't going to reveal where we were supposed to be until I stepped out in faith and resigned from my job. And, and when I started there, I had told them, I'm a Christian, I will only take this job if I don't have to work on Sundays. Okay, and so, so I entered into the job with that agreement that I could have Sundays off. And of course, a few months later, they start pressuring me. And, you know, it's not fair that you're not working on Sundays and other people have to. And, and so they started forcing me to work on Sundays. And I was, I was feeling disconnected and spiritually disconnected, you know, from the body of Christ and from corporate worship and and, uh, and just started to feel like, you know what, God is leading us, Tracy and I felt, that, that maybe the right door is not going to open to our future until we close the door from our past. And so I went in to talk to my boss. His name was Mr. Terwilliger. And I said to Mr. Terwilliger, I'm giving my two weeks notice. And, and he, he said, oh, wow. He said, Why? Are you quitting? And I said, well, because God is leading us to, to go 
and pastor a church. He was not a Christian. And he, 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 he said, oh, well, congratulations. And where is this church? And I said, I don't know yet. And he said, well, when, you, when will you find out? And I said, when God tells us. And he said, when's God going to tell you? And, and, and then he came to this logical conclusion that makes a lot of sense, right? He said, he said, well, why don't you just keep working here until you get this call from out of the blue from some mystery church that you don't even know yet? And I explained, well, we have this sense that God wants us to take a step of faith and in obedience to him. And, and, and I, I, he was not a Christian before our conversation and I did nothing to convince him. Let me tell you, he thought that boy is crazy because it was a step of faith. It, it didn't make sense and God blessed it. Once we obeyed, then God opened the door. And that's how it works in so many areas of our lives. Tracy and I, I know one of the reasons that we talk about finances a lot is because that's one of the most obvious ways that we get to see God work in tangible ways. And so, so many times over the years where we have stepped out in faith, when God would ask us to give something radical and crazy and uncomfortable and risky, and, and when we would do it, God would bless after. And we want to do that the opposite, right? God, you bless me, give me enough, and then I'll start tithing. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. You step out in radical faith, and then God brings blessing in response to our obedience. And so for the last 25 years, that's how Tracy and I have lived out our marriage. That's how we lived our lives. And so, so many of you here today, that's your story as well. Yesterday, I had a wonderful lunch with Javier Silva, one of the new leaders here at our church who God has brought here over the last few years from Honduras. And he, he was just talking about how, how they felt like God was bringing them to Canada. And they didn't know specifically why, but that God had a reason for them to be here. And now... He's translating many of our Sunday morning services into Spanish and putting them on Facebook so that anyone who speaks Spanish, either here in our community or anywhere around the world, can get the word of God from here each week. He, he, he's, they lead a small group. He's involved in, in so many ways of leadership. Why? Listen, so many of you have lived like that too because when you do, you begin to see the faithfulness of God in your life. I was reading about a person who said that they had gone to over 340 Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in one year, sometimes two or three times a day. Now, now if you told me in order to straighten up my life that I'd have to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, which is you know, kind of like celebrate recovery, every day for the rest of my life, I, I don't know if I could do it is what I would think, but how did he do it? He did it one day at a time, going to one meeting, and then the next day, the next meeting, and then another meeting, and then another meeting, going each time in order to get the strength necessary to live free from the bondage of alcohol. And the same is true for you and me. How do we follow, obey, and worship Jesus? One step at a time, one day at a time, going to wherever we need to go to get the strength that's necessary to walk in faith. And, and I've said this before, I'll say it probably many times again in the future. 
I think, wouldn't it be great to have a place like Alcoholics Anonymous for faith? Would you call Doubters Anonymous? <laughs> Doubters Anonymous, where you could go each week and, and, and find strength and encouragement to, to bolster the weakness of your faith. And then I realize there is such a place. What's it called? Moncton Wesleyan Church, right? Doubters Anonymous. We come here week after week after week because we believe, but also to help us in our unbelief. This place is like fuel for our faith, like a spiritual gas station. I don't fill up the tank in my car and expect to be able to drive all around town for the rest of the year on one fill up, right? And now I'm going to start meddling. I, I got to be so careful with this. We're in the Maritimes and we love summer. And, and many times we say summer is me time. And so, so many times in summer, we take all the time that we would devote to pursuing God and we devote pursuing the sunshine. And what I have found three years living here in the Maritimes, I see so many people who come to the end of the summer and they have a nice suntan, but a dry soul. Why, why are you probably going to go and have lunch today after church? Didn't you eat yesterday? What are you doing going back to eat again today? Because you need to refuel and Recharge your body, a filling station. Why do you go to bed to go to sleep every night? Because your, your body needs to refresh and, and recharge. And folks, that is why we come to church each week in person and online if we have to, to recharge and refuel our souls faith. That's why we keep studying the Bible each week in small groups. And I hope you've signed up for a small group. Today's the last day. That's why we serve in ministry. One of the best ways to fuel our faith is by serving others in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm done. Today is kickoff to a whole new season of ministry. Whether you're ready or not, we're back, baby. And we hope you'll jump on board. Okay. All right. Let's get on our feet. Get on our feet. Next week, we are going to start a brand new series about how to pray powerful prayers. Because you just cannot only rely on this place as your spiritual recharging station. We want to teach you next week and equip you to, to recharge and reload spiritually each and every day how to begin to do daily devotions, how to pray. We're gonna teach you and equip you how to do that all next month. For some of you, this could be one of the most important series that you've ever experienced as we get into God's word, how to pray powerful prayers. But today, could we just spend a quiet moment in just the moment that we have left? And could you just close your eyes just to listen to see if God wants to say anything to you today? What is, is one step that maybe God has been challenging you to take today? Maybe it's something that he's been speaking to you over the last 20 minutes or so as we've been in God's word. Maybe, 
He's convicting you over something. Maybe it's a commitment to get back to to coming to church every week. Maybe it's, it's someone you're supposed to invite to church to come with you or someone wants, who God wants you to help as an act of radical obedience or, or to send a service that, that, to someone who, who needs Jesus and to share with them online. Maybe to fuel your faith, this is the year, it's time to jump into a small group. Maybe God is calling you to step out and serve in some way. I wore this Kids World shirt today because it's a reminder to me that what we're doing is so important in investing and raising up the next generation. And maybe today you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. If that's you, And God is speaking to your heart. And you're saying, but Joel, I I don't have all the answers. I'm still trying to figure out this Jesus thing. I would say to you, faith is acting upon what God has already revealed to you. That Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin. Because the consequences for sin is death. Disobedience is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so right now, if you're ready to take that step of faith, would you just in your heart say, Lord, I confess that I need you. I've been trying to live in my own strength, but as I saw these baptism testimonies today, Lord, you spoke to my heart. Confess right now that you need him and believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and receive his forgiveness. Invite his Holy Spirit right now to come in. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in people's hearts right now. And so if you've made that commitment to surrender to him today, right now, say, Lord, I'm going to follow you now and for the rest of my life. And I'm going to try to learn your word so that I can apply the scriptures to my heart, this ancient word of wisdom that I need. Oh Lord, thank you for what you're doing right now. In the name of Jesus.